Thanks to LegalZoom for supporting this episode of Market Foolery. Whether you want to take your business to the next level or take control of your family's future with an estate plan, LegalZoom is where to start. They're not a law firm, but their network of independent attorneys can help keep you on track. For special savings, go to LegalZoom.com and enter the promo code FOOL at checkup. That's LegalZoom.com. It's Tuesday, March 27th. Welcome to Market Foolery. I'm Chris Hill, joining me in studio today from Total Income. Ron Gross, thanks for being here. My pleasure, <laughs> always. I'm laughing because we're taping this early. You and I are each on spring break this week. Correct. I'm not. I'm literally not here. Literally, neither am I. And uh, and and this is our second attempt at taping this. We had a little snap. I, I may have, I may have said something that uh, seems silly. Uh, you know that happens. That happens. Every every now and then we like to pull back the curtain a little bit. And let people know uh, we don't do a lot of editing, but every now and then we'll do a second take. Yes, very rarely. I do want to state that. We'll get to our respective spring breaks in a minute. But um, Tim Hansen and I had talked about this on yesterday's episode and this idea of springtime, spring cleaning. And when I think about spring cleaning when it comes to Investing in stocks, I think about portfolio management, which is something that you are much more experienced at than I am. So I wanted to get some thoughts from you about how you look at your own portfolio, because there are people. Some people are very involved, and they're looking on a weekly, if not daily, basis at their portfolio. Some people who work at this company that I've talked to say, no, I actually have a calendar reminder, mm-hmm. and I just every month will just check, and otherwise I don't want to do it. When you look at your stock investments, what is your process? So The general process revolves usually around December, um, which um, allows me to take a look at my portfolio and decide if I want to do any types of rejiggering. And that usually would mean selling. Um, because I'm investing throughout the year, um, but selling could be for tax purposes to to offset some gains with losses, to to, to take some gains that I've been waiting to take, um, and that gives me a good opportunity to actually look at at all my stocks. Now I'm pretty much on board with all my stocks at all times. I, you know, this is this is what I do for a living. Yeah, I was going to say it's your job. Um, so, I'll I'll certainly sell stocks during the course of the year when needed whether my thesis is busted or if the stock has, you know, gone to the moon and I no longer think the return potential um, is there. But I'd like to use December as the time to, to just take a step back and think through the portfolio. And I think an important thing that I do, I think everyone should do is it's not just about investments. And for me, it's a December time period. It's actually about what is going on in your life that you may need to take into account when when thinking about portfolio management. So, for an example, for me, um, since we're not here, I'm actually <laughs> on spring break right now, touring around colleges with my son, um, which means he's going to be going to college in about a year and a half. That's a lifestyle situation where I need to raise cash and not have that money at risk in the stock market because that could jeopardize me being able to pay bills. So I will sell 
to take money off the table and keep it safe so I could pay for his first year, maybe even second year of college, because I don't like to have money at risk in the market if I need it within the next three years. Um, so, that's a very important thing, I think, to take into account. It's not just, is this stock overvalued or undervalued? Do I want to own it? Do I not? It's what's going on in my life, and am I appropriately prepared for that? And just to be clear, for any listeners who may have any hint of confusion, when you say, Money so that you can pay for the first year and maybe the second year. That has to do with time in the market, not your optimism or lack thereof that your son will make it to a second year of college, right? Well, no, thank you for clarifying. In case he listens to the show, which he does not, uh, no, I, I fully anticipate he will make it through all four years very smoothly. But no, it's um, I would hate to have a big chunk of money uh, having to write a big check and all of a sudden the stock market take a 20% correction and all of a sudden having to find that cash somewhere else or paying it out of my actual, you know, Monthly cash flow or something like that. Um, I would prefer to keep it nice and safe and, and ready to deploy on, on his behalf. When you are selling stocks, you mentioned that you would sell a stock if your thesis is busted, if it has run up to the point where you feel like you've made a gain and you think that maybe a little bit of over enthusiasm is happening with the stock. Are those sort of the two main reasons historically you have sold? Yes, for sure, and it's and the thesis buster part of it is not always as cut and dry because there's some investors for sure that will say the original reason I bought this stock is no longer accurate and therefore I'm selling. That not it's not as cut and dry for me. It's okay. What is the new thesis? And is the new thesis something I want to be invested in? Um, I don't think the old thesis is done. It's dead. It's, it's inconsequential to me. It's okay. What's the new thesis? And is there potential to make outsized returns in this stock higher than, let's say, the, the general market or the S and P 500 um, over long periods of time? Again, you know, we're not traders here. I'm not a trader. I hold stocks typically for years and years and years. Um, but there comes a time where if I don't think it can put up an eight, nine, or a ten percent annualized return going forward, then I probably could redeploy the capital elsewhere, sell the stock. For a good stretch of time now, dividend stocks have been, I was going to say in vogue, and that's, I actually don't like that phrase. But <laughs> that's but, fair. But they, I, I think it's fair to say dividend stocks have been more popular. Over the last five years or so, than historically they have been, and a big part of that is that bonds have been far less attractive. Is that coming to an end? Because with interest <laughs> rates ticking up, it really does seem like bonds, at least in terms of people paying lip service to it, bonds seem like they are creeping up in attractiveness. And I'm wondering if it's uh, it's coming to an end for the the super popularity of dividends. I think that certainly makes sense. If if you buy into the fact, and it's a fact, so we should, that um, they've been so popular because there was no other yield, and if you wanted yield, you had to invest in stocks. Then when the reverse happens, then you know just by some law of physics of which I'm not smart enough to quote, <laughs> um, the the reverse will happen. Now it's going to happen slowly because interest rates go up slowly. We had just had a rate hike at the Fed funds rate um, last week. And they are signaling that there'll be two or three more this year, three more next year, with the goal of having the Fed fund rate at three and a half percent ish in 2020. Right now, we're around one and a half, so that that's a pretty big jump. That makes um, other interest rate uh, investments 
more attractive relative to stocks. However, there's an offset here. And the offset is that companies now are flush with cash really like never before. Um, and they will continue to be flush with cash as a result of things like the tax um, changes in the tax code. And they are increasing their dividends very significantly. Um, and they're doing that partly because they have a lot of cash and they don't know what to do with it. And when, when it comes right down to it, Dividends are a capital allocation decision by management. Do we invest? Do we invest, buy back our stock, or do we give cash back to shareholders? And they have been raising the dividend to shareholders pretty significantly because they have plenty of cash. They don't necessarily need it all for the business. And there's probably also some of this we want to remain attractive relative to bonds. And to do that, we need to raise dividends. All right. I want to get further into dividends in just a second. But first, I want to say thanks again to LegalZoom for sponsoring today's episode of Market Foolery. LegalZoom, if you're thinking about starting your own business, if you're thinking about, hey, maybe it is actually time to square away my family's future with an estate plan, Important, then yep. you can do all of that and a lot more with LegalZoom. By the way, on the estate plan thing, uh, certainly, once you get to our age, and I would argue even younger, it, Take care of that for sure. Wills, living wills, estates—very important. Yeah, it was uh, Robert Brokamp who tipped me off to the fact that um, just how crazy it is on a state-by-state basis, depending on where you live. Mm. What, ha- like, if, if God forbid something happens to you know your loved ones, that sort of thing. Some states have some incredibly crazy laws on the books in terms of what actually happens if you don't have an estate plan right. in, in place. Uh, LegalZoom has been helping people like us take care of their dreams and responsibilities for over 16 years. Not a law firm, but LegalZoom does have the resources to keep you on the right path, including advice from their network of independent attorneys, all at your fingertips. And LegalZoom plugs right into your life without billing you by the hour, because at LegalZoom, all of the pricing is given up front. Another, nice. another thing that we're kind of a fan of yes, here at The Fool. Yes, for sure. So, write your 2018 story now at LegalZoom.com and use the promo code FOOL to get special savings. That's LegalZoom.com. Use the promo code FOOL. LegalZoom, where life meets legal. In terms of dividends for people who are looking at their portfolio and realizing, you know what, it would be nice to have some exposure to dividends that I don't really have right now. What are a couple of things that people should look for? Because, again, it's been a great run for dividend stocks, not just because of the relative attractiveness compared to bonds, but also because some of these stalwart blue chippers that the main reason you want to own shares is because they're paying a dividend. Some of them have actually done well as a stock. Oh, for sure. Um, the dividend aristocrats we sometimes talk about are those S&P 500 companies that have increased their dividend for 25 consecutive years. There are some amazing companies in that list. Um, you, you know, in the past, people thought of companies that pay, pay dividends as kind of mature, sleepy companies that no longer have any real growth potential, and that's why the companies have chosen to pay out a dividend. It's not necessarily Necessarily the case right now. As I said, companies have so much cash that they can afford to kind of do both invest in their own business, invest in growth, and return some capital to shareholders. So, some of those dividend aristocrats are a great way to go. 
the yield on the S&P 500 right now is relatively historically on the lower side, 1.8% approximately on the S&P 500. Um, that's partly because stocks have had a great run, and just the way the math works, when stocks go up, dividend yields go down. Um, but as I said, companies are continuing to increase their dividends, you know, five, ten, fifteen percent um, year after year, and so you get some nice growth on the dividend side. You invest in some real high-quality companies that have really great capital allocators at the helm, and that's that's a, a recipe for a pretty nice portfolio. The dividend aristocrat thing is interesting to me because I I, I wonder how once a company achieves that twenty-five years. <laughs> yeah. Do you think that becomes is that just automatically ingrained in the culture of the management because I don't know I I sort of feel like if if I was CEO of a company at a time when we had been doing that and we passed the 25 year mark I would be You'd tempted. Keep it up. Well, not only would I keep it up, but I would I would be tempted to say to the board. By the way, whoever's the next person to sit in the corner office after me, make sure they keep this streak going. Do you think that's built in? I think that's fair, but I also think it's it's more about the company itself and how much cash flow it produces and how it just makes perfect sense um, for them to continue that plan. However, there are certain times where household names that companies we've grown up with. You know, turn for the worse, like General Electric, and it becomes time Oof. to really say, "I know we've paid a dividend forever, but we, we've got to do something here to save the business." Um, and you would hope whoever's at the helm does what's right for the business and doesn't just keep a dividend in place because that's how it's always been done. No, it's a great point, and I, just to be clear, I, you don't get a trophy for being a dividend <laughs> aristocrat. You don't, and at, like I'm curious about. Uh, Conversations that happen behind closed doors, but the larger point, which you touched on, is that it goes to not just the ethos of the company, but it goes to the role of the management, which is your capital allocators, and we're entrusting you to make smart decisions, whether it is paying a dividend or making acquisitions or anything else. Yeah, as a shareholder, you would theoretically not want a company to pay you a dividend if you believed that they could invest in their business at, at really high growth rates and give you a really nice bump in the stock over years to come. And then when things slow down, or the capital allocation decisions can change. All right. Before we wrap up, you're doing a college tour. Yes. Is there a particular school you're interested in seeing, regardless of your son's interests? Yes. Is there is there or is there a place on the on the itinerary where you think, well, I, I I'm interested to go here? Well, <laughs> we're starting in Michigan and ending in Florida, so we'll be hitting all <laughs> we'll be hitting all kinds of weather. But I'm going to be the sentimental guy here and say, getting into Michigan also allows me to see my daughter, who's at the University of Michigan. So uh, I'm really looking forward to that. And you? It's it's going to be colder there. It's going to be colder. Where are you? Where where are you I'll right in, now? I'll be in central Pennsylvania. Oh, it's as, lovely. Yeah, in the uh, I hear as, they have the best resorts and beaches. Uh, the white sand beaches in central <laughs> it's, Pennsylvania. It's awesome. Don't get a lot of attention, but <laughs> under the radar. Maybe it's time that they should. Yeah, well, enjoy. Thank you. Thanks for being here. My pleasure. As always, people on the program may have interest in the stocks they talk about, and the Motley Fool may have formal recommendations for or against. So, don't buy or sell stocks based solely on what you hear. That's going to do it for this edition of Market Forward. The show is mixed by Austin Morgan. I'm Chris Hill. Thanks for listening. We'll see you tomorrow.